and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. The question is not if, but when Gaza-related violence will spill onto the streets of European and American cities. This week's killing in Beirut of Hamas executive Saleh al-Aruri significantly enhanced the threat posed by Hamas, Lebanese Shiite militia Hezbollah, and jihadists. Adding to the increased threat of Gaza-related violence spilling into other parts of or beyond the Middle East, Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah warned for the second time in a week that Hezbollah would retaliate. We'll choose the right place and the right time, but the field will respond, Mr. Nasrallah said. Hezbollah has vowed to retaliate for the killing in Lebanon of any representative of the Iranian-backed axis of resistance. That includes Hamas, the Yemeni Houthis, and Iraqi militias, alongside the Lebanese Shiite militia and the Islamic Republic. Restrained by not wanting to drag bankrupt Lebanon into a full-fledged war, Hezbollah could opt for retaliation far from the Israeli-Lebanese border. That response was not precluded by the firing on Saturday of 62 rockets at an Israeli observation post in what Hezbollah called a preliminary response to the Al-Ruri killing. The attack appeared calibrated to keep hostilities with Israelis contained. However, in a possible indication of further things to come, Mr. Nasrallah's representative to Iraq, Mohammed Hussein al-Kawatharani, returned to Baghdad reportedly to coordinate attacks on U.S. targets in Iraq with Iranian-backed Iraqi militias. A U.S. Treasury-designated global terrorist, Mr. Al-Kawatani, has a $10 million bounty on his head. Mr. Al-Kawatharani's return coincided with the U.S. killing of an Iranian-backed Iraqi militia leader in retaliation for recent attacks on American personnel and Iraqi steps to remove the U.S.-led international military coalition against the Islamic State from the country. Widely viewed as a hardliner within Hamas, Mr. al-Aruri grew close to Mr. Nasrallah after the Hamas official arrived in Lebanon at a time when the group's relations with Hezbollah were strained because of Lebanese Shiite support for President Bashar al-Assad in the Syrian civil war. Mr. Nasrallah turned Mr. al-Aruri into a power card within Hamas, but in Nasrallah's hand. Some even say that Aruri was a Hezbollah hawk within Hamas, said a source close to Hezbollah. Addressing Israelis directly in a speech earlier this week, Mr. Nasrallah was unequivocal in his call for replacing Israel with a Palestinian state rather than an independent Palestinian state alongside Israel. Here, you Israelis don't have a future. The land of Palestine is for the Palestinians, Mr. Nasrallah said. From Hamas's perspective, responding to Mr. al-Aruri's killing by striking abroad at an Israeli embassy or other diplomatic facilities, or an Israeli government representative is its best option. 
Hamas is unlikely to see a rocket barrage fired from Gaza toward Israeli towns and cities as an appropriate response. Similarly, Hamas, three months into the war, is not well positioned to successfully target Israeli government offices or officials in Israel. Raising the stakes, the Islamic State this week called for lone wolf attacks on civilian rather than military targets in Europe and the United States, including churches and synagogues. Referring to past Islamic State operations and lone wolf attacks in multiple European cities, Islamic State spokesman Abu Hudayfa al-Azhari called on Muslims in the West in a 67-minute audio message to renew your activity and revive your blessed operations in the heart of the homes of Jews and Christians. Chase your prey from Jews, Christians, and their allies in the streets and the roads of America, Europe, and the world. Raid their homes, kill them, and torture them by every means you can. Blow them up with explosives, burn them with incendiary bombs, shoot them with bullets, slaughter their necks with knives, and run them over with buses. Do not differentiate between an infidel civilian or military, as they are all infidels, and they should be judged the same way. Aim for an easy target before the difficult ones, and for civilian targets before military ones, and religious sites such as synagogues and churches before anything else, Mr. Al-Ansari said. Mr. Al-Ansari issued the call a day after the group claimed responsibility for two explosions in the Iranian city of Kerman that killed at least 89 people. Mr. Al-Ansari appeared to justify the bombings by denouncing Hamas's alliance with Iran as a sin and denouncing the 1979 Iranian revolution as an apostate revolution. The Sunni Muslim Islamic State has made attacks on Shiites, who it views as polytheists, one of its hallmarks. In addition, Iran has indicated that it would accept the two-state resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, if that was the Palestinians' choice. Mr. Al-Ansari accused Hamas and its arch-rival, President Mahmoud Abbas's Palestine Authority and Al-Fatah movement, as well as a United Arab Emirates-backed former Gaza security chief, Mohammed Dahlan, of being U.S. and Iranian proxies. The spokesman insisted that the battle with the Jews is not a religious, patriotic, or nationalistic battle. It is a battle not because of the land, soil, or borders. Rather, it is a battle that derives its legitimacy from the Quran and Sunnah, Prophet Muhammad's deeds and saying, Mr. Al-Ansari said. An expanded spree of tit-for-tat Israeli-Palestinian targeted killings in third countries is likely to resemble a similar spree in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, with one caveat. Palestine Liberation Organization, or PLO, representatives targeted by Israel and hardline Palestinians, like Abu Nidal, a renegade PLO official, were proponents of compromise with Israel. However, this time round, Israel is likely to go for Hamas officials, 
irrespective of where they stand within Hamas's political spectrum. In a potential tit-for-tat, Israel could prioritize Hamas representatives in countries like Turkey, home among others to the group's chief financial officer, Lebanon, which hosts other senior Hamas officials beyond Mr. al and Malaysia, which allows Hamas to operate in the country and raise funds, even though it recently cracked down on one of Hamas's local funding channels. By the same token, Israel will likely refrain from striking in Qatar at senior officials like Ismail Haniyeh and Khaled Mishal, who are resident in Doha, as long as Hamas holds hostages in Gaza kidnapped during the group's October 7 attack on Israel. Qatar is the main mediator, attempting to negotiate further prisoner exchanges between Israel and Hamas. In November, Qatar facilitated a one-week truce in Gaza, during which Hamas released more than 100 hostages in exchange for 240 Palestinians incarcerated in Israeli prisons. Hamas still holds 129 hostages, including bodies of captives killed in the hostilities in Gaza. A tit-for-tat assassination spree could play into the hands of Hamas, a movement proven capable of surviving the killing by Israel of its successive leaders over the past two decades. It could also serve Hamas's strategy, articulated in 2007 by Mr. Al-Aruri in an interview with Middle East scholar Brownon Maddox. Our job is to keep the Palestinians radicalized. Most of them would settle in a moment for peace, some deal that will let them go on with their lives. We need to keep them angry, Mr. Al-Aruri said. The jury is out on whether Hamas overshot its goal by provoking the devastation and carnage reigned on Gaza by Israel's sledgehammer response to the October 7 attack. Irrespective of what Gazan attitudes towards Hamas will be once the guns fall silent, Mr. Al-Aruri put his finger on the group's Achilles heel. Israel's decades-long focus on physical security and control and humiliating subjugation of Palestinians in its zeal to thwart the establishment of an independent Palestinian state at the expense of socio-economic development. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant's proposal for post-war governance of Gaza suggests Israel deliberately ignores what should be its trump card. Reconstruction and development of Gaza, managed by a compliant Palestinian authority that would lack credibility, is in Mr. Gallant's mind an afterthought that is the international community rather than Israel's responsibility. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World, with James M. Dorsey, depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. 
If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you, take care, and best wishes. 